and welcome to Echoes of Glory, Season 9, Episode 31. I'm Jack. And I'm Kevin. And today, joining us for the first time, is friend of the show, Cole. Hello everyone, I'm Cole Woodbridge. Pleasure to be on. Good to have you inviting us. So, look, we're going to dive straight in with the questions that I always ask people who are coming on Echoes of Glory for the first time. Um, which starts with, why are you a Spurs fan? Same reason as you are, me dad. Yeah. Uh, he was born in Ponders End, uh, so he's a local lad. I was born Feltham near Heathrow, Heathrow, so I didn't really get a choice and stuck with me ever since. Brilliant. Passed out <laughs> through the family like many of us. Um, can you? Yeah, and we got. Go can, can you remember what your first game was? Yes, I can. That was versus Chelsea, 19th of April 1975, because I've looked at the programme today. Uh, we beat Chelsea 2-0. Steve Perriman and Alfie Kong scored. Mm. And there was 50,998. Wow, amazing. Uh, I, can't ima- I can't remember much about the game. Mm. I can remember the journey down, because at the time we lived in Onyandon, which is about 60 miles north of London. And... For some reason, my dad didn't drive down. We went on the Whippet, a local coach called the Whippet Coaches. We went, he took the bus down to Victoria Station, then got on a tube to Wood Green, I think, and then walked from there. Oh, brilliant. And can you remember like, what that was like going to Spurs for the first time? Was it was it what you'd expect it to be, or was it a completely different experience? Uh, I loved seeing the pitch for the first time. Yeah. Then the first cut few times we went, we went on the Park Lane end. Uh, I can imagine, I can remember coming off through the top where the entrances used to be, and you could just see the green and everything. The weirdest thing I thought was I couldn't understand why there wasn't a commentary because I hadn't been to a live game before, <laughs> and I couldn't understand why there was no commentary yeah, on the ground. True. It just seemed weird. That, but other than that, it was a great day. Yeah. I think we virtually relegated Chelsea that day as well which is always good <laughs> yeah, not a bad not a bad first game eh? London derby and two goals to nil it's, it's worth really it. poor results against Chelsea ever since though so, so yeah. the wins are always nice against Chelsea yeah now you talk about that being your first game you would obviously have seen an array of brilliant players for Spurs over the years who are the few that, that stick out as the the best players that you've seen play for us Similar to Kevin, Glenn Oddle was probably one of the best I've ever seen. Mm. Uh, I saw, I went to, didn't go as many games as I liked to in the early days. I saw more of Paul Gascoigne, and he was probably one of my favourite players. Mm. He would just, the game could be really boring, and all of a sudden he decided to grab hold of the ball, grab the game by the scruff on it, and do something amazing. Mm. He was uh, a wonderful player to watch. I remember him taking the mickey out of Peter Shelton in one game against Derby. And I'm sure, I, I think he scored three free kicks. He, he took one free kick. He got For some reason, the referee disallowed it. Yeah. He scored with that. And then he did exactly the same thing again, scored with that. And then he scored up the other end as well against him from another free kick. And Peter Shelton used to be, was a wonderful goalkeeper, but he got a load of stick when he came to Scotland because he was... He got caught in a compromising position with a, a young lady called Tina. And, uh, Spurs fans used to give him a hell of a lot of stick when he came at Tottenham. And I don't think he ever had a good game at Tottenham for some reason. Mm. That's brilliant. You mentioned Glenn Hoddle there as well. Now, his name always comes up on uh, on podcasts, and it tends to be the answer. For anybody that ever saw Glenn play, he always tends to be the, yeah. the answer to that he's the best player. For anybody that didn't see him play, how can you describe what Glenn Hoddle, the player, was actually like? Uh, I think when you say legends, it's very overused these days, but I think you can safely say he was an absolute legend. Mm. He could do. He could pass long. He could pass short. Left foot, right foot. He, he seemed to use his feet like golf clubs. He'd probably seen the goal that Garth, one of the goals Garth Crooks scored at Ivory in the semi-final against Wolves in the replay. Mm. And he kind of it seemed like it was backspin on it. Yeah. And it just it just seemed to go into his path. He could do that regularly. 
I think some of the goals he scored, especially in the early years, were unbelievable. He scored mm. a great goal against Man United in the League Cup. I think Chris Hewitt had his debut that day as well. I think it was uh, Ozzy Ardiles, Terry Yorif and Oddle, and he's, he's like flicked, they flicked it up for him and he's hit it probably about above, about, he leaped about chest height and just smashed it on the volley into the corner. Uh, there was one against Forest where the ball never touched the ground. Yeah. Uh, there's some really wonderful goals. But he, he seemed in his later years to stop doing them kind of things. And it was it was a shame, really, because he seemed to go further back. And I think he, I, the only reason I think he went to somewhere like France, he went to Monaco and played under uh, Arsene Wenger. But I don't think he reason he went, he got kept getting told he didn't he didn't tackle he didn't do this he didn't do that and if you if you compare him to someone like Platini who was allowed to do those allowed to do all the wonderful things Odell kind of got, got uh, held back I think especially in his later years yeah but definitely up there then with with the top players him and Gascoigne you, you two then which is not a bad not a bad yeah. couple of players to pick from the years. You've talked about a few goals that Glenn scored there. Now, what's the best Spurs goal that you've seen live? This is going to completely off your radar. This one was a goal. This was one of the best goals I've seen because it was one of the first I can remember. Okay. And this was a goal scored by Chris Jones against Aston Villa in a 3-1 win in April 1977. It was the year we went down. I've, it's, it's available on YouTube. Okay, I'll if you look Spurs versus Aston Villa. Steve Perriman throws it in. Oddle kind of flicks it on. And Chris Jones is on the edge of the six-yard box with his back to goal. He controls it, swivels, and smacks it into the far corner. And when you're a kid, when you're a nine, ten-year-old kid or whatever, it's it's one of those things what you wanted to go and watch football for. It's kind of... I wish I could do that. You wanted to see goals that you wouldn't score. You said you could never score in a million years. Yeah. You could dream of scoring, but you couldn't do it if you tried. But it was an absolutely wonderful goal. Yeah. Brilliant to watch as well. Yeah, amazing. And how about the best Spurs match that you've ever been to? Uh, still got to be for me the UEFA Cup yeah. final, second leg, 1984 against Anderlecht. Yeah, wasn't the best game. But the atmosphere, the uh, penalty shootout, everything, it was just wonderful. And to win a cup, win a trophy. Yeah. I mean, no one, I'm not sure what year they changed it to the one leg, but that'll never, you'll never win unless your ground gets chosen for a major cup final. Yeah. You'll never, you'll never do that again. That was, uh, that was a wonderful day. Yeah. Fantastic to watch. And it was on the shelf, probably the best place ever to watch football for me. Mm. The shelf comes up quite a lot. And, and again, for, for maybe fans more of um, recent years, especially fans that have only experienced the new stadium, how could you, how can you best describe what the shelf was like back in the day watching Spurs? Well, it was, it was, uh, it was quite weird because mm. normally singing parts of the ground are always associated behind the grounds. I mean, you've got the cop, the Stretford end, the shed... All those were behind behind the goal, one end. This was all along the side of the pitch, along the east stand, and it was an elevated terrace. Mm. When you had the bottom terrace as well, but then you had three parts to that stack, the east big east stand. There was the bottom tier, there was the shelf, and then there was seating above that. But it was where you get all the. You could see you've probably seen pictures yourself, Jack, of uh, the cop when everyone goes forward with all the barriers and everything yeah. in the way it was just like that and when it was on so when we was on song it was an unbelievable place to watch it i mean probably the best one of the best atmospheres up there was that uefa cup but a five nil win against arsenal in 1983 yeah and it was a fantastic day but that it was just throbbing a really good uh, atmosphere up there I mean, a lot of people nowadays talk about the Park Lane before we went to move to the new ground, but I don't think that was anywhere near as good as the shelf, mm. basically because of the numbers the shelf held as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, brilliant. Well, there's some great answers there, some brilliant goals, some brilliant players and some brilliant matches that you can look back on. So that that's great, Carl. What we're going to move on and talk about now are away days, away grounds and just sort of general experiences that we've had watching Spurs away from home. Now, between the two of you, you've got some pretty good knowledge on Spurs, some pretty good um, history as well of great games you've been to. Now, there's obviously there's 92 English clubs in the Football League and... I reckon between the two of you, you've probably been to, what, 60, 65 of them? It must be around about that. So what I'd love to do, and then, Dad, I'll come to you first on this, is just talk about um, sort of the best, or some of the best away matches that you've been to um, and what sort of made them so good. Um, yeah, I've, 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 I've actually done a bit of research on this chat. I've, I've been to 54 away, away games, around away grounds, Um some of the grounds, like uh, Woolwich um, and Mass City, I've only been to the old grounds. I've not been to the new ground yet. Um, uh, Brighton, West Ham, been to the old ground, not the new grounds. Millwall, Swansea and Derby, again, all the old grounds, not the new grounds. Yeah. Oxford, Wimbledon, again, all the old grounds. Um, so it, it's always strange. Talk to us a little bit about Millwall, because obviously that's a rivalry that in the modern day, you know, the last 15, 20 years, we, we haven't played Millwall. We had them obviously in the yeah. FA Cup the last season at the old stadium, but we yeah. just we haven't really played Millwall. So firstly, what was it like when we used to play them on a regular basis? And then what was it like to actually go away to Millwall? What was that experience like as a fan? Well, we didn't play them too much, Jack. We, we played them when we was in the second division. Uh, that was uh, the 77, 78 season. And we, we went there on Boxing Day. The only time I've really been, I, I'll, I'll be honest and say, I've been frightened at a football game because I was i was 12, at the, well, I was 11 at the time, actually. And we went there and we beat them 3-1. And there was a lot of, in the build-up to the game, there was a lot of people talking about, oh, it's going to be trouble. And there was a documentary on TV with a guy called... Harry the dog, who was the lead Millwall guy, and it, it, he, they were going to do this and do that to us. And, and I remember when we got the third goal and the Spurs started chanting, Harry the dog's got rabies, and it all kicked off behind yeah. the goal. And and it was, and that was, I must admit, I was a little bit frightened then of football for the first time. But then when they actually, they, they come up, didn't they? They had a couple of years when they were in the top division. I think Sheringham and Cascarino were playing from originally. And we played them twice there. We went to both games, and it was a 2-0 and a 5-0. Mm-hmm. So it was always quite good at, down at the den, and it was quite a bleak cold ground. It really was. Yeah, that's great. So you were going through the list of um, other grounds and that you've been to. Are there any sort yeah. of obscure ones on there, or, or there any, are there any grounds on there that you went to and you're like, oh, you know, that, that was a great away day? Tell us about what, what those are like. I think obscure grounds. Um, I've got my favourite away away games were well, yeah. a few obscure ones were uh lincoln city is quite an obscure yeah. one i think um away uh, uh grimsby up to grimsby and uh, grimsby for a night match for a cup match mm. um and then you've got things you know they're they're quite uh, i would say they're quite obscure ones uh blackpool um i'm just looking up the list now wigan uh, Unbelievably, I went. I don't know. I was up. Was up in the northwest once. And we went to Wigan and watched another game. So I went to both their old ground and their new ground. Mm. Um, and and Swansea, the old Vetchfield, Derby County, the old baseball ground mm. where they used to. Have the, you know, do go on YouTube and look at the pitch at the baseball ground in the seventies. It's just unbelievable. They had a blade of grass on it. Yeah. You may suggest you know the farmer had been on with his plough before. Like it's that mm. bad. Mm. So if you had to if you had to pick one then in terms of best away match that you've ever been to, what would that be? The best away, and it's and it's probably because it's historical. That's why I'm going to go for it. It's actually a one nil victory away from home. Yeah. And I think Cole's, Cole's probably got a good idea what one I'm going to pick. It was the it was the it was the 16th of March, 1985. So I was only just 20 years old, and we beat Liverpool one nil at Anfield. And it was, and it was the first oh. win since 1912, when the Titanic went down. So we'd we'd gone 73 years about winning there. Yeah. And I went the year before, and we lost 3-1. We played really well in the first half. We was in front, a little bit unlucky. And I vowed to go back then every year until we until we actually broke 
broke the hoodoo. And the, and the second time we went, um, it was the one when we won, when Garth Crooks scored, we won one nil. And I, and I watched a little bit of back of it earlier because there was there's some highlights. And a couple of things that made me laugh about football years ago. The referee was a guy called Ken Baker. Nothing, nothing, you know, untoward about him or anything. But they put down where he'd come from on the commentary. It had him rugby in brackets, which I thought was very odd. Very, very strange. <laughs> very strange thing. But looking back, there was... I think we had one shot for the whole game. Yeah. And it was nearly at half-time. Ray Clements was then obviously playing against his old club, playing for us, just was brilliant. He, he pushed one onto the bar from a, from a corner. Danny Thomas headed one off the line. And we had John Chijosi playing for us at the time. And he went off um, in the second half injured with a hamstring. And your old friend Mickey Hazard come on. <laughs> and, it was, and it was his... There was, there was a little... For the goal, there was a little ricochet off of Mark Falcate, come, come up to Glenn, and Glenn Hoddle just headed it wide to Hazard, who had a lovely volley. Bruce Grobler saved it, but parried it, and then Crooks got the rebound. And I remember the last, like, ten minutes of that game going on and on and yeah, on. It just yeah. felt like it was an age. It's like when you're in front against Woolwich. Yeah. And, and obviously we broke the duck. So that, that is why that is my favourite away, uh, I think, game, because of the historical importance that's yeah. surrounding it. Yeah, and what were the, the scenes must have been amazing in the away end when that goal went in, right? Especially if you were saying we were on the back foot so much in that game. Yeah, and it, it was the days of terracing. So, you know... Um, and we'd gone up, uh, I'll talk a bit more about the Supporters Club later, we'd gone up on the train with the Supporters Club, so it was a great atmosphere on the train coming home, they did commemorative like uh, little um, um, mementos of the day that they produced and charged us a couple of quid each for it and that, and, and it, it was just really good, which I've still got actually, brilliant. and it's, it's a, yeah, it was really, really, it was a brilliant day out, yeah. brilliant day out. That's brilliant. Cool. I, I missed that one, Kevin, I went to the one in 86 when Clive Allen scored. Oh yeah, the, yeah. Because two, two yeah. years, I think it was either one or two years later. Yeah. But I was in the cop. Oh I was dear. In the cop oh, with my mate, and I'd met. Yeah. I'd met. I'd to cut a long story short. I'd had. I'd had a abscess on my appendix, and I'd, I'd. I'd got better, but I wanted to go football again. So I still had this thing. They put like instead of putting stitching you up properly, they put like a little sponge thing in. Yeah. And I'd gone to stay on Ellesmere Port with my mum's best friend, dude like an auntie to us at the time. And I'd gone out for a drink in the pub and I met this lad, this lad who's a Liverpool fan. And I was going to the Everton game the following day. Well, he took me to Goodison. But then we went, he said, well, when Liverpool were playing, come up again. So we went up again and he took us on the cop. Yeah. Well, it was absolutely even. And it's the, one of the, I've, I mean, I'm not, I've been in away ends a couple of times. It's not very nice. Yeah. But I had the biggest grin on my face when we scored, when Clive Allen scored, but I had to keep so quiet. It's very, very difficult to do. I, impossible to do at times. It's really horrible when, you, when your, your team's winning. But that's a, it's a great feeling to win at Liverpool. We, never, we hardly ever did it, like you said. Oh, that's yeah, so, so good. Yeah, I was lucky enough to see us win a couple more times there. Um, so it was great, and it's always great when you go to the big grounds. You know, we failed to do that, obviously, in recent years. Me and Cole always bemoaned the fact we don't turn up at a lot of these games. But it's always good to go to the big grounds, you know, your Woolwich, your, your Chelsea's and your United's and go there and win. It, it, you know, it really does um, put a buzz right through the club, I think. Yeah, that's yeah, brilliant. Cole, I'll come to you. What's the best away match that you've been to? Well... It's not because of a performance, it's because of, it was my eldest son Charlie's first game, mm. first. and that was Wigan away in February 2010. We won 3-0, uh, and Super Pav scored two. Oh, it, well, that, did he get two goals quite late on? Yeah, I think he, was about, he got two in about six minutes. I think yeah. it was the 84th and the 92nd or something like that. Yeah. I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the thing... Uh, it was only our second second win of 2010. Mm. That sounds familiar. <laughs> and we we went back into fourth place mm. doing it. But I remember another Wigan trip as well was when Edgar David scored his own goal with Tottenham. We was up there for that one as well. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Um, but being there with Charlie for the first time, then that must have been an amazing experience. Yeah, a strange thing for Charlie. He went to a away game before he went to an home one. 
Possibly oh, looking Stockport now. Uh, he's born up here as well. So it's quite weird when you're the club, the first game you go to for your club you support is actually an away game. I think one of the best ones for him, especially when he, he was at uh, secondary school then, was when we beat United 3 0 at Old Trafford. Yeah. That's a special one for him because. There are a lot of City and United up here, obviously. Yeah. But when you go and beat one of them up here and you've been to the game, it's even better. Yeah, I can imagine him walking into school and just... Uh, he must have had a grin all day. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I'll, definitely. I would I would also say, uh, Cole, because you, you was at Old Trapper for the famous uh, Pendro Mendes um, goal, wasn't you? If I remember yeah, that's right. probably the that's probably the most frustrated and angry I've been after an away game. Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> I've never seen a goal line the shape like that before in my life. Yeah. We was because the away ends at that end of the ground. You can see it a mile off. And if I'm not sure, that might have cost us European football that year, or mm. even Champions League football. Is that was that the same year, Kevin, as Lasagna Gate? Uh, I'm not too sure actually. I'd have to look at it. It's, it's got to be around that time. I've never really considered that actually, but I would have thought so because of the players that were playing that time. It might. Have, I think it might have been a year when Arsenal sneaked it above us. Yeah, yeah it's where, where we need Stutter in it to. Uh, yeah. That sounds right to me because I'm just thinking Pedro Mendes would have played when we when we were sponsored by Thompson and we had those Kappa kits. Yeah, and was around lasagna game. It might have maybe been the year before or the year after, but it was around about yeah. that time anyway. Yeah, um, it was the time when Joel, I think Martin Joel would, he'd start the, the position that Poch got us into, etc. Yeah. I think Martin Joel started that kind of revolution, really. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Definitely. You both mentioned Old Trafford there, right? I've had a, dis- a little discussion around that and the Mendes goal. Do- where does that rank in terms of like best away stadiums? Like, is is that up there, or have you been to any places that are that are better than that? I'll come to you first, Cole, for this one. Uh, before they put seats in, I thought it was a wonderful place, but in them away end with the seats now, it's like you ch- need to chop your legs off to get in. It's a it's a it's it's a good atmosphere for big games. It's a great place to go when you win. Uh, I remember going... I've actually been there twice in one season and seen us win there. Oh, great. Terry Fennick got injured. We played in the League Cup midweek. Yeah. And Terry Fennick got injured before the start of the game. I'm not even sure if he broke his leg in the warm-up. But he got injured and we won 3-0 in the League Cup. And then we played him in the League, I think it was in December... And Gary Lineker scored from outside the box in a 1-0 league win. I was, I, I so was that, that would have been 89, not around that time, kind of a time? It, it was around that time, Carl, because I can remember that goal, because it was down our end, and it was when you had the whole end behind the ground, behind the goal, wasn't it? Yeah. And you weren't up in, in the gods. Paul Ince was playing at right back for Man United. And Lineker curled it in from 25 yards, just cut inside him and curled it in for... Gary Bailey, I think, was playing in goal for Man United, if I remember rightly. I can remember it like it was yesterday. Mrs. Bailey was in Sorry? Gary Bailey was in late 70s, wasn't he? Yeah, or maybe then. Maybe it was someone else. But I can remember remember the goal as clear as anything. He didn't get many from outside the box, did he? No, no. He he wouldn't have a strong enough shot to get many behind. No, no, there was that. Yeah, well, he got that one, didn't he? He got the one against Woolwich in the semi, didn't he? The third from outside the box as well. So just about outside the box. Yeah, yeah. So, Carl, what would you have up there then as as your favourite stadium that you've been to? I quite like Goodison. Yeah? I think Goodison's one of my favourite. Villa Park. I like Main Road, mm. the old Main Road where the, the yeah. wooden seats behind the goal, etc. I used to like that place. Brilliant. Uh, then what, I never liked Anfield. I think it's too cramped, mm. and I yeah. think the away end's abysmal. You can't even get a view. I took Charlie to to Anfield a few years ago. His first visit to Anfield, and yeah, we were talking about Liverpool earlier on, and obviously seeing us win. He goes up there the first time, and we get a two 0 win. Huh. And he actually saw most of it through someone's mobile phone because he could, because uh, the roof comes down so much. If you're sitting near the back, you can't see the ball properly. Mm. 
absolutely abysmal view there. Yeah, but I'd say Goodison's probably one of my favourite. That but, two win at Liverpool, was that Van der Vaart and then a Modric penalty, if I remember rightly? Yeah, yeah. I think you're right, yeah. Um, Dad, I'll come to you then. What about the best away stadium that you've been to? I think the most iconic stadium we've been to, and you was with me, Jack, as well. You've been here as well. I went, was lucky enough that my wonderful wife took me there for my 40th birthday. She took me to watch Barcelona play in, in, in the Camp Nou. Yeah. And then a few, and a few years later, obviously, we, we were on holiday, weren't we, in Spain? And we went and we did the tour. And I think the bit where you walk up the tunnel at Barcelona and you stand on the edge of the pitch and look at that ground, it's not the most, it's just iconic. Yeah. Um, you know, our grounds, new ground for the facilities and everything, obviously knocks it, knocks it to pieces. But it's just iconic. The whole, the whole place is just amazing, absolutely amazing. Yeah. So I would say that's, and it's, that's probably the best experience standing on the edge. I think currently, I, Cole, Cole brought up a good one actually, uh, a couple of good things saying about Old Trafford how it used to be. Main Road was like really iconic because it basically had one stand that near enough went right around three sides of the ground, you know, three quarters, three sides of the pitch. Um, yeah, it was brilliant, and and I think. When you look at traditional stadiums, the old Upton Park, um, before they built the West Stand, this is, so when you had the 42,000 standing back in like the late 70s, early 80s, that was very hostile, and that was a fantastic old ground. Um, quite similar to our ground, really. We always had the East Stand, which was a little bit higher, but, but our ground was very similar to West Ham's on, on three sides, you know, with the, with the, the, you know, the, the North, South, and the West Stand. Um, and, and I think back in the day when you used to go away games, I know Cole's mentioned this, you, so you'd, you know, you'd go to Woolwich and you'd have the whole of the clock end. And they were always good days, or you'd go to Chelsea and you'd get the whole of the the opposite end to the shed. And we used to, the sewer end, I think we used to call it, because that, that's how bad it used to be there. And you um, used to have to jump stinging nettles to get to the toilet. You did, yeah. And then, and then by half time, obviously, there was. Well, there wasn't water running out of the toilet, out of the porter cabin. There was something else, wasn't there? Yeah. You know, coming all the way out. Yeah. Some yes. iconic grounds, though. You mentioned the new camp there, and I'd, I was lucky enough yeah. a couple of years ago to go to the San Siro, not to watch Spurs, but mm. um, I was just out there on holiday. And that was another stadium which just has something unique and iconic about it. It's not luxurious by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just one of them grounds like the new camp where it is such an iconic famous place and you know so many great games have happened there you know the best players in the world have played there it's just yeah it's, it's unique i think when you go to some of those stadiums there's just a bit of a, a buzz and a and a feel to it that is quite difficult to describe but they're they're amazing yeah. places yeah no, no, all brilliant grounds. Yeah. I'd like to talk now about some of the, you touched on it a little bit there, the worst stadiums and experiences that you've maybe had Lost. on away days. So that could either be you've gone somewhere, it's taken you hours to get there and we've had a horrific result, or the stadium is an absolute dump, or there's just been other things that have happened along the way. So, Dad, do you want to kick off with this one, your, your worst experience uh, of an away day? Got a few very quickly. I think, um, think performance-wise... There's two that really stick out. Port Vale away in the Cup, 1988, I do believe. We lost 2-1 oh, Port Vale. Uh, that was a pretty horrific day. And that was, that was think, I think that was a fourth round game. And then we followed it up in equally good style the year afterwards when we got knocked out 1-0 at Bradford in the third round uh, when we didn't pick up a silly free kick. Um, a couple of other Cup things which were quite uh, strange, um, I think... You look at a lot of cup things. I remember going down to South End for a League Cup game and we lost 3-2 on the night but got through on aggregate because we won the first leg 3-1 or something like that. Uh, Lincoln away, we'd gone up there, we got beat there and then won the home leg. I mean, and I remember the two FA Cup games in particular, both FA Cup third round matches, and the, this was because of the weather. Now, your mum was in tow with me in one of these games. We went Oxford away in the Cup. We was on an open terrace in January, and it poured with rain the whole game. <laughs> Absolutely poured with rain. We were, when you say soaked through, we were soaked through that day. And then on, I mentioned it a few weeks ago, on the famous Cup run in 91, we went away at Blackpool, and there was a, a gale blowing through. It was freezing cold in January, lashing rain. 
So you remember things kind of for the weather element as well. It's not like now where you don't often get wet at football. You could have been then on an open terrace and it was pouring with rain and you would get absolutely soaked. Yeah. Can I add, add a bit there, Kevin? Yes, of course, Cole, yeah. I've got, I remember the coldest I've ever been was at Craven Cottage in the yep. FA Cup 80, 1984 when uh, Ray Clements got injured and Graham Roberts had to go and goal. Saved the free kick right at the end, didn't he, Robert? Yeah. Slow down. I was at that Blackpool one and I remember that for a forced goal kick that he took and it went out for a corner for yeah. Blackpool because it come, come it went out and come back. Yeah. It was absolutely hailing a gout. One of the wettest I've been in Southampton. I think yeah. we won there two 0 and Chris Waddle scored a wonderful goal from about thirty yards but, but the pitch I mean Pochettino moaned about the pitch against Rochdale that year and they relayed it, but some of the pitches that Southampton one was like a blood a mud bath. It was absolutely yeah. horrible. Yeah, brilliant. Um, a stadium that I wanted to throw in the mix, just as one of the worst that I've actually been to, was the Champions League final. Oh, absolutely. Now, for anybody yeah. that, that wasn't lucky enough to yeah. be there, this it was held in Madrid and it was Atletico's brand yeah. new stadium that had been built. Well, you, you know, you couldn't fool anybody that that was brand new. It was an absolute dive, wasn't it? It was just the yes. seats weren't in properly. The, the concrete had barely been laid. The toilets didn't work. It was just, it was a concrete mess, wasn't it? I think it's like um, what I call to be, I, I think with all the new ground building, there was a lot of new ground building, wasn't it, in the, in the 90s and what we call these soulless grounds that were built, likes of Leicester and, and Southampton, all, all the same, Middlesbrough all just like one kind of continuous bowl, weren't they, with, with seats. They, they got no character about them. But, yeah, the, the actual concourse at, at Atletico, it looks quite nice from the outside and the inside views, right, but the concourses were absolutely dire, weren't they? Yeah. For a Champions League final, it was an absolute disgrace. We was a bit disappointed, weren't we? You know, we'd assume that if you'd gone to the Bernabeu or something like that, it'd have been a lot better, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, uh, I was, I was mad. Very poor. I was massively disappointed with it because about 18 months previously, I'd been in Madrid on holiday and went yeah. to the Vicente Calderon, which was Atletico's old ground, which yeah. was very old school. But I'll put that in the same bracket as a new camp and a San Siro. It had a bit of personality about it and it was so yeah. tightly packed in. And famously, the freest stands... Um, sort of like bank round in a C shape and are all connected as one and that's really really unique and iconic so yeah. I was lucky enough to go to that old ground which was incredible and when I was out there and saw them play they won 6 or 7-1 like it was it was phenomenal so when I actually you know we got to the final it was like oh it's Atletico's new ground I, I was so excited to go because I thought the old ground was so amazing this new one you know it's just basically going to be a modernised version of it but it wasn't yeah. it wasn't quite what, what I thought it was going to be no no, no. See, one of the worst things in terms of that is QPR. Mm. I remember one of the sewer pipes, someone had a pipe bursting, and that wasn't very pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't good at all. I remember QPR on their plastic pitch. I remember the first oh, time God, the plastic yeah. pitch was used. It, everyone was going boing. Everyone, as soon as the ball bounced, it go about 20 foot up in the air. It was that was a horrible play, horrible pitch to play on that one. Luton had the plastic pitch as well, and I remember in 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 Liverpool when Liverpool were dominant, they they knocked Liverpool out of the cup in the early eighties on the yeah. plastic pitch, and and it's not like as Cole quite rightly says, it was like you you could have probably laid like you know concrete floor, you'd have got a similar bounce off of it. Uh, they really were quite horrific in pitches when they when they, they went. They had to put loads of sand on, didn't they, to try and deaden the bounce, and I still yeah. don't think it worked that well. No. No. Going back to Luton, did yes. you ever did you ever go there when you think it's strange whether not whether the away fans have been reduced now in terms of how many tickets you get allocated? Yeah. But do you remember the Luton membership card scheme? Yes, I do because they the, that was after the Millwall riot, wasn't it? At, at, yeah. at Luton, and they brought in the membership card scheme and and basically banned away fans, didn't they, from going there? It was it was amazing that because I. I made out I was a Luton Town fan. I said I'd been ab abroad for a year. I read, yeah. wrote my letter saying I wanted, needed a membership card thing. I think you had to pay a pound or something. Yeah. And when I got there, it seemed like half the crown was Spurs fans. <laughs> well, it, that was a weird, weird thing to do, I thought. 
When you used to go to Luton for, for away games, you know, when they were in the old first division, I mean, they we, we used to get the largest end, didn't we? We used to fill the large end. And they had, the, you know, probably half the attendance there was no different to when Wimbledon played. I, I always remember, the, 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 the I called it the Klinsman match, when um, we went to, when Wimbledon played at Selhurst Park. And, and they, they used to allocate us two stands, didn't they? You know, half the ground. You know, I was, I was in, my, mates, my best mate's a Wimbledon fan, and I yeah. asked him if he, I got married in 99, and I asked him to be a best man at that game for me, Yeah, and we beat him 6-2. Yeah. <laughs> so and we were losing. went down too well with him, but he, he was in, uh, in uh, then Wimbledon that you could mix with the players and everything. Yeah. So we was in there, but that was, uh, that was when Klinsman came back, he, I think he only came back to try and get fit for the World Cup, didn't he? He did. He wasn't really firing that well, and he he scored at trick that day, I think, and probably I the best he, game he'd ever had for us in when he come back that second time. It was. I th I think he may have even got four, if I remember rightly. Um, Possibly. I'm not hundred percent sure. I can't remember. I'm, I'm trying to think. It was manager as Spurs, but they decided to completely ignore his advice apparently and play attacking football, and and that was a game when we were losing two one in that game, and a defeat could have. A defeat followed by a few more defeats could have sent us down. It was that desperate. Yeah. It was that desperate. Well, we, we avoided relegation a few times in the 90s, didn't we? I remember a match at Oldham. I think yeah. it got cancelled twice. Yeah. And Oldham were going quite well in the FA Cup. I think they lost to United in a semi-final, I think. They after did. about three rounds. And I think Oldham got, eventually got relegated, but I think we only beat them, really, because they were that goosed after playing so many yeah. games. But that we we I'd got I was living in Huntingdon at the time, and me and my mates had gone up at least twice. I think it got cancelled twice, and we'd been up every time. We finally we got to see him win two 0 Yeah. yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. And that uh, we managed to avoid relegation that year as well. And I think Vinnie Samways and David Ale scored the goals that day. Vinnie sideways, wasn't it? Oh, <laughs> uh, he was a bit of an hatchet man in Spain, though, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was. <laughs> <laughs> He was, yeah. Brilliant. Now, I'd like to talk a little bit now as well about sort of the, what the difference is um, in away days between what oh, it yeah. used to be like, you know, when you guys used to go in the 80s and 90s to then what it's like in the modern day. And you talked earlier about um, going up on the Spurs supporters train yeah. and the whole experience of it. So talk to us a little bit about what it, what it, maybe what an away day used to be and then, and then what it's like now. That... Yeah, the, 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 there used to be a Spurs supporters club and they used to be in the, the, the Waddington house and you'd, you'd pay your money, you'd get a little kind of like passport book and you could you could book away games with them. They used to do away travel and you'd have your book and they'd put a little stamp in your book and then if you'd done 10 away games in a year and they got to the cup final, you'd, you'd get a ticket because um, you'd have to pay for it. But, but they would actually like, um, the club would give the supporters club some tickets. So... It was really good because at the time we were like 17, 18, around that age. And it was really was the height really of the of the troubles, you know, all the fighting and all of that. So it was a good way of going because it was organised. You would arrive at wherever you were going. You would you would get marched, to, um, escorted to the ground, straight to the ground by the by the police and then escorted back to the, uh, the train afterwards. But what was good about it was there used to be about 10 of us used to go every away game. And you could take like enough food for the day because you used to go on the train. It was a charter train and then they the same train would bring you back. So they used to sell drinks and that on the train as well. But if you had a bag, what you could do was you could take it down to one of the stewards and they'd lock it away. And then you'd pick the bag up afterwards. You'd just walk down and get your bag. No one, you know, there was no stealing the stuff back in them days. So you'd have like, you know, three, three, four hours up on the train, do the game and then three, four hours home again. Yeah. And it used to be such good fun. And they used to have a guy that used to come through and ask you if you wanted a program and you'd order a program and then he'd, he'd buy about 100 programs and he'd come through after the game and then give you a program. So you'd have a nice crisp program that you hadn't had in the grounds and you could sit and read it. And it was just great. Yeah, we'd all take enough food for the day. You were allowed a few beers if you wanted to. I mean, some of us are a little bit young to drink then, but it used to be such a... I think I've said to you in the past, Jack, it, it, you and your brother would have absolutely loved it. 
because it was so sociable and such good fun. It really was. Yeah, it sounds amazing. You've told me so many stories over the years about what it's like going up on those trips, and it, it sounds amazing. It's also a shame that, you know, I guess officially that kind of thing is not done anymore. There's obviously lots of local supporters clubs up and down the country that do yeah. obviously all travel together to games, which is fantastic. But it's a shame that there's not anything maybe as official as that um anymore and how does that differ then to sort of what an away day experience is like now for anybody that's not been lucky enough to, to go to one what's it like I now think, well I think as we've done before Jack you know you jump in the car now and do a day out don't you in the car so you load the car up and, and, and off you go and uh, you, you know we we went to Sunderland once didn't we you know me you your brother I think Chris has come with us as well and we did a 550 mile round trip in a day, and I did all the driving, and that that that, that was a long day. And we were, we think, were a goal down within two minutes as well. We, we? we was, we was. But I think the thing is, what annoys me a little bit with away games now is because this 30 pound limit is in for away games, we can't get tickets, can we? It's no. very difficult. There's a select 3,000 that go to every game, and whereas before we used to say go to, we used to. We used to try and do, didn't we? Even when you were like younger, when you was around ten and twelve, we used to try and do a couple of games before Christmas and a couple of after, didn't we? We used to try and go to about four away games a year, and it was such a good day out. We we used to have such a good time, didn't we? It was brilliant, yeah, all brilliant. I think, I think also, good. Kevin, you you regularly get four or five thousand Spurs fans going to away games. We've always yeah. been supported well away from home. Yeah, and you you could decide on a Thursday or a Friday night whether you wanted to go. That's now correct. It's like, now it's like planning a military operation. <laughs> I think, uh, I th- yeah, you're right. You're right. And I think also, I, I think going back to tight times when I can remember going like Arsenal away and it wasn't all ticket. So you had to make sure that you, you know, if it was a three o'clock Saturday game, you needed to be outside that ground at half past one. You needed to be in the ground by two o'clock. And because of that, because it weren't all ticket, the ground was pretty full by two. So you had a really good long build-up. I mean, nowadays things have changed. You know, people tend to roll up, don't they, five minutes before kick-off and sit in their seat, don't they, a minute ago, you know. So things things have changed quite a lot. I think from the 70s evolving into the 80s with the, the more modern ground and the seats and things like that. I think the seats are better when you and your brother were young, you've got your designated spot, even though you used to stand. I think it's lot easier to manage you when you're younger like that and then obviously now progressing it obviously into the fantastic stadium we've got now yeah and that's an interesting point there you make and again for anybody that's never been to an away game it's that you stand for the whole game even now in the modern day when you're going you don't sit down and the atmosphere is just different when you go to an away game it is more intense it's more aggressive when you score you celebrate it so much more you know if you were to compare playing Wolves at home to playing Wolves away you know you'd celebrate a goal at home to Wolves you know you'd obviously you'd be up celebrating it but nothing compares to what it's like when you score a goal away from home and I think it comes back to that whole tribal thing about being outnumbered in the ground and there's normally three four thousand of you and then there's 10 times as many home fans so it does just sort of it just feels like everything is always stacked against you in an away game so when you do end up scoring or coming away with a with a brilliant result it just means so much more doesn't it yeah it does it does you're right yeah. i think things have changed in away games a lot now i think when we used to go in the 80s to away games there was always an underlying current of violence yeah you yeah. keep away from it there was an underlying but it produced a very, yeah, a good atmosphere, a really good atmosphere. A bit like probably what, the nearest to it now is West Ham, I think. Yeah. I think West Ham provide a, a bit of nastiness, but it was like that for Arsenal, Chelsea, United, all of the big guns were like that. And there was a nastiness about it. But it did inc- improve. The atmosphere was bigger, but you could take bigger numbers. Now, I mean, sometimes you're only taking less than 3,000. You can't get that. You don't generate that same same atmosphere. I mean, if you could generate that same atmosphere without the violence, that would be absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and that's that, a good point. It you was made. a it was a different edge to the game, and it you felt you felt on edge all the time, but you felt up for the atmosphere, and you're giving it back to the the own fans as such. Yeah, you make a good point there, Cole, in terms of. Um, you know, taking more numbers to away games. And I remember we went to an FA Cup game at Old Trafford 
yeah. number of years ago. It was when Redknapp first took over. And obviously we were massively struggling in the league and we'd got tickets a few weeks before to go up to, to Man United for that cup tie. And Harry said a few days before, I'll be sending a weakened team up there because it's not a priority. So we sort of all trudged up there, didn't we? Thinking, God, yeah. we're going to get annihilated. It's not going to be a good day. But we had, was it the whole upper tier? Um, at Old Trafford. Yeah, the seven and a half thousand. The atmosphere was absolutely incredible, wasn't it? And we all had a little yeah. bit of a little bit of hope, a little bit of belief. We'd ended up losing the game, but I remember we did score early and going front, and you turning to me and just being like, "We've scored at Old Trafford," and, and that was sort of where the expectations were back then, right? That if you just scored a goal away from home, you could celebrate and go mad. Whereas I think you know we yeah, go rounds think... and, and don't win, and we're always absolutely gutted. I think when you were younger and, and, and when your brother was younger as well, you know, it was nice if we went to a away game. I used to think, let's score. If we get a goal, it's good because you get the chance to celebrate. And if we won, it was brilliant. And I remember remember when we did a few away games and it was at Stoke, weren't we? And we won at Stoke when Cranshaw scored. And, and that was a great day out, you know. I remember your brother, he probably was only about eight or nine at the time, um, being full of it coming out of the ground and I'm telling it to be quiet. There's all these great big Stoke supporters around us moaning. I'm saying, just be quiet until we get in the car, I'm saying to him, like, you know. And yeah. But Stoke's, Stoke's one of those with a, quite a vicious atmosphere, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Stoke's a bit, a bit naughty. Yeah. yeah, that was a good one, though. And it, with the Cranshaw goal was quite late in the game as well, wasn't it? And, and I remember Dean Whitehead had been quite harshly sent off for Stoke early in the second half. Yeah. And it, Everything really was going against them. They equalised and then we scored that late winner again. It was right down in front of us and we were all going absolutely crazy, weren't we? That was yeah, a, we was, great yeah, we was about, we was quite near the front, sixth, seventh row, something like that. So, I mean, when you're little, it's brilliant. You love being there. You know, as an adult, you want to be back a little bit more so you can see what's going on. But, yeah, it was a, that was a really great day out. Great yeah, day out. And I also, an, another one from not too long ago um, was when me and you were at Fulham in the FA Cup. Yeah, and we beat them three nil. Um, and Harry Kane scored a hat trick, and we yeah. had the whole end at Craven Cottage. Um, yeah. and it was brilliant. It was absolutely freezing because it's right on the river, but it that was fantastic. You know, we we're three nil up with about fifteen minutes to go, so we knew we were going through. Kane had got the hat trick, and the atmosphere was just absolutely buzzing. Yeah, and um, that was a real favourite for me as well. That one a couple of years ago. Well, imagine that, Jack, when you get go to Ivory and you've got the hole on the clock end. Yeah. And then you get, uh, just before kick-off, the bit fights are at, start erupting in the North Bank and all the Tottenham fans who are in the North Bank get marched down to the clock end. <laughs> and imagine winning New Year's Day to go top of the league like we did in 1985. Yeah, it's incredible. That was that was a bit special. So, that then when you took big numbers like that, that was, that was superb. I mean, you just, you felt... You felt it was very tribal. It did it did produce that tribal atmosphere, but you felt part of something. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it was unbelievable. I can't I can't let I can't let away games go without without very briefly Graham Roberts and that, that game that Cole spoke about when he he v signed the 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 Woolwich supporters after we got our second, and obviously then there was the famous time when he put put the very annoying Charlie Nicholas in the stand, literally put him in the stand. Um, that was brilliant as well. Yeah. That anybody that's anybody that's never seen that, can you just describe what happened? He, it, it, the ball was going out of play, and it was over the far side, and he he literally just deliberately ran into Charlie Nicholas, and because there wasn't a lot of gap between the, the, you know the, the, obviously the terrace and that, and and the terrace was quite low at Arsenal. Nicholas did actually go over the terrace wall into the crowd. <laughs> it was truly magnificent. Nowadays, he, he may have even got a red card for it nowadays. Yeah, that would be banned for 10 games. <laughs> it was truly magnificent. And every time I read something that's a bit smug about Charlie Nicholas, or he's having a go at Spurs like he always does, I just think, well, you know, you was the one that ended up on your backside in the terrace. <laughs> that's great. That's brilliant. Well, that was brilliant. Some great stories there of uh, away days. One, and, and one more for you. One more oh, for oh, you, on, One more. Gascoigne's debut for Spurs. We'd, uh, we were supposed to play Coventry the first game of the season, yeah. I think. It got yeah. it got uh, called off because the Sugar Bowl. I think he was rebuilding the shelf at the time. It got called off anyway, and uh, we went up to Newcastle for the next game. I I, I was working in the post office at the time, and I finished at 
I was doing on nights. So I finished at half seven in the morning, drove all the way up to Newcastle. Oh. And then it was it was the open end. Where, where you step, sit in the gods at Newcastle now, it was just an open terrace. It was called the Leasy's End. And every type of weather you can imagine. There was hailstones, it was rain, it was snow, it was sunshine. And they were throwing Mars bars at Gaza. <laughs> and I think the most ironic thing was Terry Fennick and Chris Waddle scored in a t- scored out two goals, and they were both Geordies. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a good day out as that's well. Brilliant, that's great. Look, let's move on now and do a quick quiz that I put together. Um, yeah. So obviously this podcast today has been all about uh, away days, so that is the theme of this quiz as well. So it's slightly different to what we would normally do. So I've got five questions. Um, which I'm going to go through, and we'll do a bit of a, a head-to-head. So you, you, both of you against me. So if you get the question right, you get the point. If you get it wrong, I get the points. So there's five questions, so there's, there's okay. definitely going to be a winner. Now, some of these questions are quite difficult. Some are a little bit easier. So you'll be able to chat to each other you know, and, and confer your answers yeah. once I've asked the question. Yeah. So the first question is, question one, Arsenal won Tottenham 1 in 1951 is our biggest official away North London derby attendance. Can you tell me what it is? Now, I don't expect you to get it bang on. So if you can get this within 4,000, I'll give you the point. 65,000, Kevin? I'll go with that. It's exactly the figure I was thinking of. 60. Is that what we're going to go with? 65? Yep. The answer is 72,164. Wow. So a pretty chunky attendance yeah. there. Um, not as big as the one at Wembley, I was it? Not as, no, but th- this, was a, this was an away game for Spurs. Right, okay. Right. Um, okay, second question. What away fixture was the first for both Jose Mourinho and Pochettino? West Ham away. West Ham away. West Ham away is correct. That's one point each. What was our first Premier League away fixture earlier this season? Manchester mm. City, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I think. Yeah, because we had the two hard away games, didn't we? Was it? Yeah, we had City and then we had Woolwich, didn't we? That was the fourth match. Yeah, I yeah, agree I with think that. It was Manchester City. Manchester yeah. City. That's the correct answer. It was a 2-2 draw with Man City. Um, Sterling had another last-minute goal ruled out, slightly controversially, uh, via VAR again. Yeah, you remember. Of course, that's point two. So that's 2-1 to you at the moment. Question four. What is Tottenham's biggest ever away league win? Is it the Leicester City or the whole City one? The whole. I'm thinking of the whole, the seven-one whole. Unless there was sat in the double era, but I'm I'm happy to go seven-one whole. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to go with that. Yeah, seven-one whole is the correct answer. 2017. Um, that was. Oh, the, we don't need the last question. Then. We don't need yeah. nothing, but we'll do it. We'll do it just for fun. Um, <laughs> that whole game was um, the end of that season. Was when Kane just went absolutely crazy and scored seven goals in three games. It was just absolutely. It might have been in two games. It was a bit crazy. He got seven in two, three against Leicester, and then four against Hull, didn't Hull. he? That's right. Um, look, you've already won, but the last question is, what is Tottenham's biggest ever away league defeat? Um, it's oh, 7-0 at Liverpool, Carl, isn't it? 7-0 at Liverpool, and you've got the 8-2 at Derby as well. Yeah, so it's the 7-0. 7 at Liverpool. So that's in 1978. Not a great day. Happy birthday. Happy birthday is a 7-0. That's good. That's a typical Tottenham birthday present. 7-0 against Liverpool 1978 is the correct answer. So that's bang on. So, I mean, I've been trounced in that quiz. So that's 4
door anymore, do you? Cash on the no. gate as such. But that no. was a really weird one for me. Yeah, um, um, very quickly, Jack, back in the 80s and used to go away games, so we're talking about 85, 86, it was to go, to, so say you were going to Manchester, it was about £7 to go on the train return, and then it was about £4 to get in for the ticket. So it's about the whole bit bit of tube fare, the whole day out was about 13 quid. Yeah, it wouldn't even get you the first half now, would it? Wouldn't even get you a quarter of the game, I don't think. Well, to make you cry even more, someone put on Twitter the other day about the ticket prices for the UEFA Cup final against uh, Anderlecht, the second leg. Uh, you could go, the West Stand upper was nine quid. <laughs> the West Stand lower in the green section was seven quid. The East Stand, where there were seats, were five. Standing enclosure, the shelf, and a typical thing for Spurs, Mr. Levy would have been really proud. No half-price reductions for senior citizens or children. £2.20 <laughs> to get in. Oh, Jesus. That's brilliant. That's frightening when you consider what the prices are now. I'd hate to think what price he would charge for a UEFA Cup home game now in the final. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, look, I've really enjoyed that. Looking back at some um, recent Spurs away games, listen to your stories about what it was like going and watching Spurs in the, the 80s and 90s. So, Cole, a real pleasure to have you on, finally. Um, so, don't be a stranger. Do come back. Thanks very much for having us, Jack. Pleasure. Thank um, and thank you to everyone at home listening. And remember, whatever happens, future's bright, future's lily white. Come on, you Spurs. I always thought there was very, very many people interested in football, and I always thought that football was a very important game, but I never realized until today just how important it is. Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain, and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. The curve of the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman. We are the collective gasp the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2! It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next? We are Blancheflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do.